You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Could this Ukraine war be winding down? It feels like that a little bit, depending upon how you look at the situation. It looks like Russia is exhausted and they are full of regret. Ukraine, maybe they have the upper hand, but it looks like both sides are looking for a way out. Day to day, you still see the horrors of war. Uh, there is something of a lull. Again, it depends on what you emphasize and what you're looking at. Right now, there's a report that Ukraine has actually struck Inside Russia, that would be new and uh, arguably an escalation, but it does seem like both sides may slowly be coming together. This war is working out for nobody. Peace could be at hand. I would love it. I would love nothing more. We hate war. It should only be fought as a last resort. And this was uh, not that, not that. Another reason why I want it to be over, he doesn't know what he's doing down and out. Now, no one is saying that in the mainstream media, but we can all see it. You see him yesterday trying to clean up that mess. <laughs> he contradicted himself. He contradicted his administration. And the mainstream media, you know, they live for moments like that. Ooh, they love that intrigue when the president says something at odds with his own people. But they tiptoe around it with Joe, all right? <laughs> Why do they do that? I don't know exactly. Is it just liberal bias or something more complicated? I do know that this is highly abnormal behavior. This is a crazy, weird presidency. And they said it would be the opposite, remember? President Trump, of course, has broken so many presidential norms. Here, there's a question of legal norms that he may have broken. What Biden is trying to do is restore you know, some kind of normality to world leadership. He is Donald Trump, and he is going to tear this country apart. When you're talking about norms, this president has broken every norm. And he sort of trashed this post-Watergate norm. Well, Joe Biden has absolutely restored it, and we have no reason to believe that he's not telling the truth there. Oh, yeah. Honest Joe, right? Joe Biden and all these norms. Everything is so normal right now. Normal, normal, normal. It's not normal. He just blew the European trip. He gets back to America. He can't explain his way out of it. And also our press corps. There were some good questions there, but not one question about the Hunter Biden laptop. Now, this is not some conspiracy theory, okay? Uh, for the liberals out there who need the sanctification of the New York Times, even they verified it, all right? They verified it, they authenticated it, New York Post did it in 2020. Even liberals now, this thing is the real deal, and Joe Biden can go in public and not be asked about it. His name, his presence is felt throughout the laptop. 10% for the big guy, this is a big deal. And it's amazing, Hunter Biden never comes up anymore. The mainstream media, at least, 
No mention of him since last summer, last spring for ABC News. We got this courtesy of the Media Research Center. All right. This is not normal. And this is getting worse. We will have a different future, a brighter future, rooted in democracy and principle, hope and light of decency and dignity of freedom and possibilities. For God's sake, this man cannot remain power. For God's sake, I'm sorry. That was a terrible thing to say. May have felt good in the moment being a tough guy, but Putin is the leader. We don't want to send this message. You may have to negotiate peace. You got to negotiate peace with your enemy. The wrong thing to say at the wrong time. It was like the sixth or seventh major mistake he made on this trip. While he was gone, I had an idea. Several days ago, I put it on Twitter, actually. I said, I call for invoking the 25th Amendment on Joe Biden immediately. It's the amendment that has the rule about being incapacitated or nuts. All right. Now, you have to write in a certain way on Twitter to get attention, to get your message across. And the 25th Amendment, actually, I do think is applicable. He's not discharging his duties well. And, well, that's what the 25th Amendment covers. If uh, he's unable to discharge the powers and duties of the presidency, there is a mechanism to remove him from power. It's all constitutional. It's all legal. Uh, next slide, please. You'll see. It's actually harder to do this than impeach somebody. So, it's probably not going to happen, but I think it should be part of the public conversation, and I think it may be soon, just like President Trump, by the way, predicted it would be. Joe's in a tough spot. Strangely enough, the media, they seem content with the silly answers they're being provided by whatever is on Joe Biden's note card. Did you see this? Joe has a little index card, and on it has all of his special little talking points, okay? And someone got a picture of this. It's pretty fascinating what's actually there. If you weren't advocating for regime change, what did you mean? Can you clarify? I was expressing the moral outrage I felt toward the actions of this man. I was not articulating a change in policy. Okay, but they understand that these are reasonable questions, right? Based on what he said over there, these are reasonable questions. But Joe, no, they weren't reasonable to him. Anybody who asked about this, was crazy, silly, ridiculous, and totally off base. Tell me why. You have so much experience. You are the leader of this country. Because it's ridiculous. Nobody believes we're going to take down. I was, going to, I was talking about taking down Putin. None of the three occurred. None of the three occurred? None of the three. Mr. President? You, you interpret the language that way. I was talking to the troops. A chemical weapon used by Russia would trigger a response in kind. It will trigger a significant response. What does that mean? I'm not going to tell you. Why would I tell you? You've got to be silly. <laughs> You're silly. You're silly for asking the questions that our staff anticipated would be asked in light of the questions Joe Biden's. It's driving me crazy. All right. And he thinks he can just charm his way out of this somehow. Huh? What is it about him? You notice he smiles at very inopportune times. Somebody told him he's got a great smile and it would get him out of all sorts of trouble. It's a cheesy smile. It's not from the heart. It's actually a cold smile. And it's the opposite. It's not telegraphing warmth or happiness. It's cold. Might even have a hint of evil. Hey, uh, we found another note card of Joe's. And uh, we think it, here's another one that they armed him with. Uh, the talking points, deny, deny, deny. Reporters are ridiculous and silly. Don't forget to smile and go get them, Joe. What do you think, huh? All right. 
we made that up, but they might as well. I mean, that was his playbook. That's what he tried. He thinks we're that dumb. We'll be right back. The former president of the United States. And, you know, I wouldn't say Fox has been exactly perfect. Fox has been a big difference of Fox between now and what it was four years ago, as you know. But we have others that come along and they're doing well. And uh, uh, Newsmax has been really good. And, you know, others are coming along and people are seeing that they're watching these conservative networks. President Trump is right. That's why millions of Americans are tuning into Newsmax for the real news they can trust. All I can can say... Is, is that, that the, the fake, fake news just doesn't get it, do they? And nobody gets Hollywood, I don't think. At least people I'm running with don't get Hollywood, how this thing could have happened. Still kind of processing it. It's fascinating. What happened Sunday night actually is pretty interesting. I know it's silly Hollywood, but there's a lot of takeaways here. Number one, here's what we're talking about. And you know what really was offensive, worse than the punch actually, is 10 minutes later when he got his award, Hollywood standing up and giving him a standing ovation. And how about how he walked off? Like he just did something great, right? I mean, he's proud of himself, tugging on his vest there. Yeah, look at that strut. All right, so he did apologize, tearfully, uh, all over the place, right? He did not apologize to uh, Chris Rock, the guy he punched, right? And about 15 minutes later, what was he doing? Partying to his own music, getting jiggy with it at some club? This is, um, this is a morally bankrupt uh, industry, Hollywood, clearly. Somebody asked me, could you imagine what would have happened if Tom Cruise punched uh, the presenter at the Oscars? Say Chris Rock, a very famous and rich, powerful, successful white man punching a similar black man. It would have been a bigger issue than we have right now. And I am fascinated also because we saw somebody hit someone, no accountability. I also saw someone not hit anybody, not break anything, and he's in jail for the next four to five years. Talking about the horns guy. Yeah, him and so many other January Sixers who didn't hurt anybody, who didn't break anything, and the book has been thrown at them and they're being treated like prisoners at Gitmo. How about all the folks who looted during the summer of 2020? You know how few of these people were arrested? And if they were, the charges were totally dropped. All right. Now, this is still a big story. I'm sorry. If uh, if you think this is a silly moment, I think it's a significant moment, this whole thing with Will Smith and Chris Rock. Who remembers the O.J. Simpson verdict, huh? That was a real shocker. Actually, it depended, I guess, what you looked like, how you felt about this verdict. First of all, the verdict, not guilty. We, the jury, in the above entitled action, find the defendant, Orenthal James Simpson, not guilty of the crime of murder in violation of Penal Code Section 187A, a felony upon Nicole Brown Simpson. Yeah, that was a shocker, and people were shocked. But a lot of people were delighted. Let's face it, a lot of black people in this country were relieved and thought it was beautiful. A lot of white people thought the opposite. Number one.
That was widespread sentiment uh, among African-Americans and among Caucasians, it was quite the opposite. Interesting. And I feel like it's too early to tell, but a similar kind of feeling might be developing around this matter right now. Uh, Speaking of OJ, he spoke out about the whole Will Smith thing. I know this. After what happened to me in Las Vegas, if I would have done that in front of a billion people watching around the world, they would have given me life without. I'm just saying, hey, take care. (laughs) OJ, he's free. He's free. So, again, it's too early to say, and a lot of people have a lot of opinions. Uh, This is one opinion I found pretty offensive. It's from Tiffany Haddish. You know who she is? She's a comedian, actress, and uh, she's got some attitude. And don't mess with her. It was incredible to watch Will up there, T1. How did you feel watching him give that speech? I felt very proud. I felt gratified. And I just hope that more men are like that. Care about their families. Now, it's not just about you, right? It's not just about you, sir. What about your family, the people you create, the people that help you be who you are? That's important. That's what I think America forgot about. America forgot to hit people when you get offended. There's a lot of that going on. All right, so she thinks this is all great. The apology, the tearful, rambling, non-apology to Chris Rock, slapping Chris Rock. This is all terrific. And confronting that reporter in that passive aggressive borderline nasty way now i was thinking about her her name is uh laura zima i believe and she's the fiance of chris harrison so i think that she may have been traumatized because well her fiance once had a minor minor tiff and i would call that a minor tiff with um with a person and he lost his job all right He had been the host of The Bachelor for almost 20 years, fired for racial insensitivity. You want to see what happened? You want to see what undid his career? Two decades long, never a problem. Everybody loved the guy. Remember that dress that the girl wore on The Bachelor? Yeah, okay, you can barely see it. I don't know. I think we overdid it in the censorship here, but she wore one of those. uh, It was a Southern cotillion of some kind. And she got in trouble for wearing this dress and they were canceling her and cyberbullying her. And Chris Harrison made the mistake of sticking up for her when he was being interviewed. Watch. Is it a good look in 2018 or is it not a good look in 2021? It's because not a, a big good difference. look ever because she's celebrating well, the old South. She's cel- if I went to that party, what would I represent I, at that party? I don't I don't disagree with you. You're you're 100 percent right in 2021. That was not the case in 2018. And again, I'm not defending Rachel. I just know that, I don't know, 50 million people did that in 2018 between, you know, it's like there were, that was a type of party that a lot of people went to. Oh, how dare you? He did nothing wrong. Uh, the woke mob said he did everything wrong. And finally, he had to at least pretend he did something wrong and apologize for it. On national television, he has to apologize 
for what it's going to sound like he ran over a bunch of kids while he was drunk driving. No, he's apologizing for what you just witnessed. I am saddened and shocked at how insensitive I was in that interview with Rachel Lindsay. And I didn't speak from my heart. And that is to say I stand against all forms of racism. And I am deeply sorry. I'm sorry to Rachel Lindsay. And I'm sorry to the black community. <laughs> Over the top. I, uh, I just, look, he wants to save his job, but he lost his job. When you start apologizing like this, when you did nothing wrong, you are in trouble. And the mob, they're not going to accept your apology. Strahan certainly didn't. His, his apology is his apology, but it felt like it got nothing more than a surface response on any of this. And obviously, he's the man who wants to clearly stay on the show, but only time will tell if there is any meaning behind his words. Hey, thanks a lot. He was gone less than a week later. Chris Harrison was. So this isn't just some game on television. This isn't just something that they do in Hollywood, those weirdos, because it has a trickle-down effect. The crazy rules that are being imposed by these people Media elites is trickling down to you and me, the workforce, everyday people on the corner. These guys, yeah, crazy rules. And they're putting all of us at each, other, each other's throats. How about the military tearing it apart, making it all about appearance instead of unity under a flag, a common cause? Now it's all about diversity, equity, and inclusion, DEI. It's true. 80% of the time, they're talking about that. You know what could happen? When we're brought into a conflict, they'll find out that our military went down just like the Russian military did. I'm really worried about it. Stay with us. We're going to take a look at anti-Asian crime. Suddenly, nobody cares about it because Donald Trump is gone and they can't blame it on him. Be right back. A liberty-loving American takes on Washington, Hollywood, and the whole media establishment. He's Chris Salcedo. Join his fight. Tune in to The Chris Salcedo Show every weekday afternoon on Newsmax. Michael Moore, the liberal documentary filmmaker, not a fan. Uh, he's very anti-gun. Every now and then he makes an interesting point, but by and large, he's a crazy liberal lunatic. Um, and Democrats and liberals are good in his book, and conservatives must be bad. So who remembers the election of 2000 and the hanging chads, right? Very close. The nail biter in Florida and beyond. A lot of people were unhappy. A lot of Democrats were unhappy when the Supreme Court ruled the election was over and George W. Bush won. Not everybody was satisfied, and they contested on January uh, 6th, I believe, actually, of the year 2001, when Bill Clinton was still president, and they were certifying the electoral votes. Guess what they did? They objected, and Michael Moore glorified it in his film, uh, Fahrenheit 911. Take a look. Mr. President, it is in writing and signed by myself on behalf of many of the diverse constituents in our country, especially those in the 9th Congressional District and all American voters who recognize the, that the Supreme the, uh, Court, not the is, people of the United the, States, decided this election. Is the objection uh, signed by a senator? Unfortunately, Mr. President, it is not signed by one single senator. 
Unfortunately, I have no authority over the United States Senate, and no senator has signed. Mr. President, it is in writing and signed by myself and several of my constituents, constituents from Florida. A senator is needed, but missing. Is the objection uh, in writing and signed by a member of the House and a senator? The objection is in writing, and I don't care that it is not, it is not signed by a member of the Senate. The, uh, the chair will advise that the rules do care, and uh, the, the signature of the senator. Not a single senator came to the aid of the African Americans in Congress. One after another, they were told to sit down and shut up. And it's a sad day in America, Mr. President, when we can't find a senator to sign the gentleman, objections. The gentleman will suspend. So chilling, right? The music so beautiful. Wouldn't one senator come to their aid? No, they didn't. But they were Democrats and they were objecting to the election of a Republican. And therefore, it's beautiful. When Republicans did the same thing with, I think, much many more reasons to object to an election in January of 2021. Yes, on January 6th of 2021, they did what the Democrats tried to do in 2000 and in 2008 and in 2016. They had a United States senator on their side, several of them. I, Paul Gosar from Arizona. For what purpose Sport. does the gentleman from Arizona rise? I rise up for myself and 60 of my colleagues to object to the uh, counting of the electoral ballots from Arizona. Uh, is the objection in writing and signed by a senator? Yes, it is. It is. You see, Republicans were winning and they were moving it along, the objection. This made the establishment very, very scared. And then all hell breaks loose. So they're going to have the debate or are they? Because what happens then? Very strange things. The Capitol is given up essentially to protesters. They're almost invited inside. Take a look at this cop, the little cop I call him, Waving people, step right this way. How about the cops later who stood on either side of that little corridor, that little doorway, allowing people inside? What were they thinking? What were they told? What do they think these people will do? How about the three cops who walked away just before Ashley Babbitt was shot? Why did they do that? One, that's one weird time to take a coffee break. And Ashley Babbitt was shot and killed, unarmed, not posing a threat to anyone. And they called it a justified shooting. They even gave Michael Byrd, the cop who killed her, a medal, a gold medal for killing a woman who was unarmed. What's happening? Was he fulfilling orders? I think they wanted to stop the debate. Kind of makes sense when you look at it that way. And I, I've mentioned this uh, over the past couple of days. It's all coming together for me now. We'll see. We need a real investigation into what happened. I don't want to see those crybaby cops who hate Trump, a real professional 9-11 style commission as to what happened. I know what happened on the floor of the house. I want to know how all those people got inside. I want to know why this guy shot her.
Fair enough. All right. Now this. Harassment and hate. It is an alarming trend that Asian Americans are facing in several major cities across this country. It is specifically impacting Asian American women. Many of you say they're now living in fear. I was targeted. A woman came towards me saying, you Asian bitch, I'll f- kill you. I'll chop your head off. And she kept saying it as she started approaching me. I was walking in Brooklyn and suddenly as I was walking past these two men, one of them punched me. They started screaming at me, made up Asian words. All of these attacks were unprovoked, these women say, just like the others that made headlines in the past year. And the attacks are being committed, I'm sorry, overwhelmingly by black men. It's not Donald Trump's responsibility or fault. No one's talking about this. I do give CNN some credit for pointing out hate crimes are up 357% in New York City. Here you see a poor, older Asian woman being pummeled by this guy who also lives in the building. Next, in midtown Manhattan, a 73-year-old Filipino man was shoved to the street and robbed in a subway. Uh, In Chelsea, Manhattan, a man attacked a 29-year-old Asian man with a hammer. And in San Francisco, a group went into a store in Chinatown and started smashing the cabinets, robbing it. And as the people tried to fight them off, they came at them with with weapons. Now, after 2020, crime has skyrocketed everywhere. You can't blame this on Donald Trump once or twice saying Hong Kong flu or China flu or whatever it was, which is totally standard when it comes to the names of diseases, the Ebola virus. That's a river in Africa. It's not racist. We have a problem, but it's only a problem. They only want to do something about it if they can exploit it for political gain. Do you remember the spa shootings in Atlanta about a year ago? Now, there were several Asian victims, but also some white victims and a Hispanic victim. And even though the authorities said that this was not racially motivated, uh, the FBI said that, local law enforcement said that, that the shooter had all kinds of weird hangups, but racial hatred wasn't part of the picture. Joe and Kamala didn't want to hear it. And they ran to Atlanta to see how much exploiting they could do. And that's how they roll. Now we have a real problem, and they're nowhere to be found, nowhere to be seen. All right, moving on to other types of crime. Here in New York City, we have a 60% increase, and this, well, I saw it coming because we have a mayor who's incompetent. Some of the lowlights recently, a McDonald's in Manhattan, a man was trying to place an order when he was beaten and robbed. He is hospitalized now with a severe head injury. A man took a bat to a church window in Manhattan, uh, just kind of wailing away on it uh, for no apparent reason. A bodega in Manhattan was was robbed. You never, gosh, look at that, huh? Scary stuff. A man was slashed and robbed outside of his apartment building. And this is uh, <laughs> this is over like two days. And there were 30 more just like it. Our mayor, who has no law enforcement ability, no credentials, no integrity. What did he do last night? He partied with Cara Delevingne. He's one of my, she's a Miley Cyrus friend, a model. And I think he, uh, I think he wants to hook up with her. Have fun, Mayor Adams, have fun. We'll be right back. Or the land of the 
amazing that Joe Biden can go in front of the reporters uh, all the time and be confident he'll never be asked about Hunter Biden's laptop, which implicates him, of course. And that laptop, <laughs> it's not some conspiracy theory. Now, we knew it was legit for a long time. Even liberals can't deny its authenticity anymore. The New York Times even verified it. It is astonishing. It came up today at a House hearing. But first, I'd like to bring in Cash Patel, a former Trump White House official, also worked at the Department of Defense in the Trump administration as a defense chief of staff. Sir, welcome back. How are you? Greg, it's so good to be with my fellow Strong Island man. I'm happy to be back. <laughs> we both grew up in the same town, 10 years apart or so, Garden City, Long Island. Cash, we got we to gotta talk about uh, that someday. So, Cash, look, um, isn't it extraordinary? This laptop now has been verified. Joe Biden can go around like it doesn't exist. He's not challenged on it. Why not? I mean, just think, for your viewers, just think, if we were talking about Don Jr.'s laptop while President Trump was president, there would be 7,000 criminal investigations going from across America, overseas. We'd be reaching out to our allies. And of course, the fake news media would be propping it up. Look, they do a rinse repeat over and over again. First, they did Russiagate and waited four years to get to the truth. Then they did the Ukraine impeachment fiasco and waited a year on that one. Now, Hunter Biden's laptop. Two years later, the mainstream media has finally come around because of reporting like yours to force them to acknowledge the truth. And yet it's been acknowledged. <laughs> but Joe <laughs> Biden is still somehow protected. And now this. Where is the actual laptop, the one that was given to the FBI by that guy at that Wilmington, Delaware computer shop, uh, we don't exactly know. Now, this came up today during a hearing on Capitol Hill. Matt Gates has been a hero on this, confronted the assistant FBI director on cyber. Look at what happened. You are the assistant director of FBI cyber. I want to know where Hunter Biden's laptop is. Where is it? Sir, I don't know that answer. That is astonishing to me. I'm holding the receipt from Max Computer Repair, where in December 2019, they turned over this laptop to the FBI. And what now you're telling me right here is that as the assistant director of FBI Cyber, you don't know where this is after it was turned over to you three years ago. Yes, sir, that's an accurate statement. An accurate statement. You, along with Congressman Devin Nunes, you know all about FBI corruption and malfeasance there. What do you make of that exchange and do you think that laptop is actually safe? So as a former terrorism prosecutor who dealt with the FBI and the cyber division, just for your audience, the assistant director for cyber at the FBI is one of the senior most officials in all of the FBI and the number one cyber computer expert at the FBI. And for him to come to testify before Congress, before the Judiciary Committee, knowing our great Matt Gates was going to ask him these questions, and he says, I don't know, where the most critical piece of information and evidence around the Hunter Biden laptop scandal, where the laptop is, is outrageous. The, either it is the extreme level of incompetence that has corrupted so many at the leadership levels of the FBI, or it's another Russiagate-sized scandal, which we've only begun to peel back. And where that laptop is, it better be in an evidence bag in a security room at a police station or some FBI headquarters uh, field office, because if it's not, they're going to come out and say, oh, we lost chain of command and we don't know what's on it anymore and we can't use it. Given what you know about the FBI, is that conceivable? Could they really have just 
thrown this thing away? It's conceivable, unfortunately, that some mid-level political bureaucratic hack like Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, and those clowns got their hands on it years ago and corrupted it or hid it or displaced it or just flat out gave it back to Hunter Biden. It's not beyond belief when these are the people who shoveled false information to the FBI to surveil a president illegally. Remember, nothing's beyond these people anymore. And why Chris Ray isn't coming to the podium as a director of the FBI? I'm not asking for details of an ongoing investigation. Just confirm that it exists and that you have the laptop that was so easy to get for the public. How can the FBI, with subpoena authority and the Department yeah. of Justice backing them, not have it? Uh, more from Matt Gates today, pressing the assistant FBI director for cyber on where this thing is. Have you assessed whether or not the first family is compromised as a result of the Hunter Biden laptop? Sir, as a representative of the FBI's cyber program, it is not in the realm of my responsibilities to deal with the questions that you're asking me. Has anyone at FBI Cyber been asked to make assessments whether or not the laptop creates a point of vulnerability? Sir, we have multiple lines of investigative responsibility in the FBI. They're all available in public source. Well, I would think you'd know this one. You know, it's interesting. Uh, he claims total ignorance about these matters that might be sensitive for the president. You'll remember, though, when President Trump was president, they were very kind of, um, I don't know, they wanted to give you the impression that he might be in trouble, but we can't say for sure. We don't reveal matters that are uh, being investigated. You see the difference? It's a two-scale system of justice that everyone hates, unless you're on the left and in the mainstream media or your name's Joe Biden, because there's one set of rules for them and another for us. And this is just another example. I don't believe for one second that the 98 percent of agents that I worked with in the FBI when prosecuting terrorists around the world couldn't figure out where a laptop is, especially the fourth ranking highest FBI official in the Federal Bureau of Investigation, which employs 110,000 people. He just did not want to answer the question. And that leads me to believe who told him not to answer that question? That's the only way, under oath, that man doesn't answer that question. All right. Now, as you remember, the FBI wrapping this thing up, uh, <laughs> there were a lot of people in the intelligence community who came forward to vouch for this laptop uh, being Russian disinformation. They labeled it Russian disinformation at the critical time in the fall of 2020. There are big names on this list. Clapper, Brennan, Leon Panetta, a former secretary of defense and CIA. All these guys signed a letter. Matt Gates came up with something very interesting. This is a, uh, I think this is a proposal that, let me put this up on the screen, the 51 signatories of the letter who publicly and falsely decried Hunter Biden's laptop to be Russian disinformation should be barred from holding any level of security clearances indefinitely. I believe this is a proposed uh uh, law or uh, a subset, regulation, unlikely to pass, but that's a pretty good idea. It's an outstanding idea because you cannot, you cannot have the directors of the CIA, the director of national intelligence, the defense secretary come out and provide false information to the American public and not have repercussions. Holding a security clearance is a privilege. It's not a right given to them just because they were anointed by the Democratic mafia. These, these can be revoked, not, and it doesn't have to be a federal regulation. It doesn't even have to be a law. Their clearances can be revoked by the National Security Council apparatus and interagency process. There's no law doing it. Just like we revoked, I believe, James Comey and probably Andy McCabe's because they lost the uh, public confidence to do their jobs. 
And these people have become the most political animals on planet Earth when they should be safeguarding our nation's secrets and upholding our laws. They have broken and shattered the public trust in these institutions. Well, Cash Patel, you kept the public trust uh, very much so. I know that. Um, and by the way, fightwithcash.com is still up and running. Still up and running. We're filing lawsuits every week on behalf of people who've been defamed. And for the first time, Greg, and I'm going to get you to do it, too. I am on social media at Truth Social. You got to join the fun, man. We're having a riot. <laughs> all right. At Truth Social. Yes, I have heard all about it. I'm anxious to make the switch. I got to get a handle. I got to register. I got to remember a password. I hate doing that, but I'm going to do it because it's the place to be. Cash Patel, thank you very much. And we'll be right back. Nothing. There is plainly no assertion of executive privilege here, either by the actual president or by any former president. And even if there were, even if President Biden tried to assert executive privilege for Peter Navarro, it would fail immediately because the privilege does not apply to private political business, much less to criminal activity like conducting coups or insurrections against the government. I can't stand that Jamie Raskin guy. I really can't. Uh, the, the hyperbole over the top, the rhetoric and the wasting of everybody's time. And now they're hassling Peter Navarro, former assistant to the president and director of the Office of Trade and Manufacturing Policy. He's also the author of In Trump Time, my journey, journal of America's plague year. Uh, great book. Peter Navarro, uh, you are facing a contempt of Congress charge after the January 6th committee vote. Um, what are you telling them or not telling them? <laughs> Well, well, first of all, when you when you say, Greg, that about three quarters of the American people have contempt of Congress, uh, but I digress. Uh, look, Raskin, very interesting what what he was trying to get at there. There's a really important legal point where their whole effort for their witch hunt fails, which is to say that they're claiming that Joe Biden, as president, has the ability to negate the executive privilege of his predecessor, Donald Trump. Now, that's ahistorical. It's totally illegal. But they are trying to establish that precedent. And it's going to be that great. But watch this one carefully, because their whole case collapses when they had to, they, out of desperation, go to Joe Biden and get Biden to say, ah, Navarro doesn't have executive privilege. That's nonsense. For folks listening and watching this show, Greg, executive privilege goes back to the days of George Washington and Thomas Jefferson. It's it's basically the, the, the right of a president, a sitting president, to have advisors come in and talk about critical issues without worrying a prying Congress will do what it always does, which is to politicize things. And so this whole assault by, look, those people on that committee, Raskin, Shifty Adam Schiff, Liz Cheney, these are all the people who are the king ringleaders of trying to impeach Donald Trump, not once, but twice. And the mission of that committee is not to investigate what happened on January 6th. It's to wrap Donald Trump in felony charges so he won't be able to run for president in 2024. It's as simple as that. I, in my statement to the committee, Greg, I said very clearly, we need to get to the bottom of the, the, some things like, why did Nancy Pelosi and the Capitol Hill police 
and the Pentagon and the National Guard leave that perimeter unprotected when Donald Trump told them there might be danger? And were there FBI informants instigating that violence? Those are the questions I want to know. So Raskin, Schiff, uh, they're a shiftless lot. Um, as the boss loves to say, we'll see what happens. But this executive privilege uh, issue is going to go to the Supreme Court. I'm going to do my best to get it there. Uh, you're right. Those questions you raise, uh, we have them as well. Who led all those people inside? What was that little cop doing? The Ashley Babbitt situation, her killing has never yes. been not nearly right. adequately addressed. And, you know, if you look at actually, I want to show you something. This is from 2017. This is Jamie Raskin. Speak of the yes. devil who uh, tried to stop the electoral count um, in January of 2017. He tried to prevent incoming President Trump from becoming president. Take a look. Uh, I have an objection because 10 of the 29 electoral votes cast by Florida were cast by electors not lawfully certified. Is the objection in writing and signed not only by the member of the House of Representatives, but also by a senator? It is in writing, Mr. President. Is it signed by a senator? Not as of yet, Mr. President. In that case, the objection cannot be entertained. Now, I'm, I, we shouldn't we shouldn't <laughs> accuse him. Wait, 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 uh, Peter. We, I'm not accusing Peter. I'm not accusing him of violating the law. He was acting within the law, the Electoral right. Count Act of exactly. 1887. Right. But he did not have a senator to uh, join the fight, so he failed. Yeah. This time, you guys were more successful. We had a look. The In Trump Time book, Chapter 21, outlines what we called the Green Bay Suite. It, we had 100 senators and congressmen on board. It started flawlessly uh, with, with Ted Cruz basically challenging the results um, in Arizona uh, with, with uh, Paul Gosar, I think it was. And it, we would have been able to basically look at the legal votes cast. In the six battleground states, everything that was done was between the lines. Um, it was a tragedy that Mike Pence decided to be a traitor to the American Caesar of Trump. I liken it in the in the in Trump time book to a Shakespearean moment, the F2 Brute moment. But it was all designed basically to take out President Trump, who was anathema to the money who backed people like Mike Pence. I, mean, yeah. I can I can go chapter and verse over the six battleground states, Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. I can show you in every case the very thin margins that Biden allegedly won by would be wiped out if you counted only the illegal votes. Peter, so, Peter, it's Peter, be interesting. we got to go 10 seconds, if you don't okay. mind. I know it's kind of hypothetical. It's not going to happen. But would you go to jail? Would you go to jail rather than testify? Yes, I look. I, I'm, I'm holding firm on this. Look, it's not my privilege to weigh, right? I have a duty to the president and this country to executive privilege. If they want to, they want to go after me. Uh, they're coming after you, Peter Navarro. Many, many thanks, and check out that book in Sir. Trump time. My journal under. I'm sorry. Well, let me get that straight. Yeah, my journal of America's plague year. Thank you, sir, and we'll be right, All right back. Right. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much. Stinchfield is next. See you tomorrow.